Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode with the Ugly Ducklings. Um, and today, we know we've taken a quite a break for mental health. You know, we had to go travel, do our own things, um, but we are back and we are refreshed. So we thought we would come back today with a more heavy episode to just talk about real shit that we go through all the time. So today, our topic is unpacking trauma. And that can be in all forms, big and small. Um, so Bryce, I'm going to ask you the first question, as always, to kind of kick us off. But for you, when it comes to trauma, do you feel like you have any? And if so, how did you come to that conclusion? Was it just an epiphany you had on your own or was it therapy? Yeah, that's a great question. So Yes, to answer the first part, yes, I do have trauma, like most people. Um, <laughs> I feel like most of my trauma came from childhood, and we've talked about this previously, but um, I have a lot of trauma associated with my sexual orientation, um, my race. I feel like I've dealt with Black trauma, whether it's with police. I've had experiences with the law, um, yeah. believe it or not. So that also has affected me way onto, you know, my early and mid thirties, things like that. Um, I have trauma with, you know, from social settings growing up. Um, I, I mentioned before I was bullied in middle school. So that definitely has played a factor into how I interact with people as an adult. Didn't necessarily realize that all these things were related to my childhood trauma until I actually started going to therapy about, gosh, it's been about what? seven years now um and like I said it wasn't like I went on my first session and then I realized all the trauma I had uh it's taken going through different experiences and then kind of pinpointing those back to how I reacted to things in the past to kind of connect those dots together so okay well thank you for your transparency yeah no problem what about you Rashida yes definitely have trauma but I don't think um, I think sometimes we don't think it is because it's not always something dramatic, right? Like, for instance, you mentioned like being bullied, right? I was bullied as well in middle school. And like you, a lot of people have been bullied in their life, right? So you kind of almost feel like it doesn't count, but it is still trauma. And I think in some ways people will minimize that because it's like, oh, so what? Somebody calls you ugly when you were 12. Like, it's not that deep. And it's like, it could be though, right? So I think I had trauma in that more traditional sense of like being teased, but um, my dad dying when I was young, I think is probably the biggest trauma that I can probably say I carry still every day that in therapy, because I've only really started going to therapy regularly the last, I guess, seven months or eight months. Um, and we talk about it a lot and it comes up a lot. And I think for me, I'm like, wow, I don't think I realized that it was still so present. Right. It's, it's crazy because um, I've seen examples where they relate trauma to like luggage or a bag that we take everywhere with us and we don't necessarily realize it. So circling back to your point, um, I didn't even realize what I went through was actually trauma like you. And I don't think most people realize it's actually trauma until you actually go under the hood and investigate things. Yes. And um, I think a TV show I watched where I was like, oh my God, I still have trauma 
or like you have triggers, right? So I know mm. for me, euphoria to some degree was a trigger, not because of the drug use, but because she lost her father to cancer. Mm. So I'm looking at her. She's a little bit older than I was, but just seeing how they did a lot of the scenes of her grieving and going through that. And I'm like, this is very close to home. So I felt like I was like literally tearing up watching some of those scenes and episodes because I'm like, yeah, this is how it is. And fortunately, I didn't go through the down that path of Rue, but you can kind of see, at least I felt like I could empathize and understand how she could get caught up in wanting some type of escape in that way. Right. And it's really interesting because with that show, we saw three different characters um, experiencing the trauma from, you know, Rue losing her dad, whether it's Rue, Gia, and the mom. So yeah. although you didn't necessarily identify with um, Rue's substance abuse issue, you could have definitely identified with Gia or the mom in some capacity. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if my mom ever watched, I don't think she watches that, but if she did, I would be curious to see how she feels from that aspect of like being the mom and you're grieving, but then you have to still be strong for your kids. Like, what does that look like? Right. But yeah, I just wanted us to talk about trauma and, and because there's just so many versions of it. Like I said, like, that's like my more extreme one but then like when I get more into like stuff like bullying and like the things that kids say to you when you're younger um and part of why we even have this podcast of like those things even still you carry with you because I know for me I was like this awkward tall kid that was into things that are now cool like (laughs) fucking anime um and it's just like you felt like so isolated and people would make kids would go out of their way to make sure you knew that you were different. And although like now you could say, well, who's got the last laugh or I, you know, I'm fine. I'm doing well. I'm thriving. And now all these things that y'all thought were weird, y'all are now co-signing, which is kind of annoying, but you still carry that stuff with you and how you interact with people. And I think it's a credit to both of us that we're still quite extroverted considering all of the negativity that we've experienced. Yeah, no, that's definitely real. And um, it's crazy because there are times when I find myself, you know, we've talked about the inner child experience where like, for example, um, like I was bullied, you were bullied. So I sometimes have an issue I find myself battling with like dealing with cisgender um, black men and white men because those are the ones who bullied me growing up. Um, And I've worked through that through therapy, but let this have been 10 years ago. If I walked into a room where I was um, the only gay male and it was a room full of men, instantly anxiety, right? And um, when you think about triggers and anxiety, It's just showing you that there are some places that are still, well, those wounds are still open, excuse me, and some places that still need some healing. And the sad part about it is we go through life. Life is, to me, is short, right? And I don't, for me, I don't know if those wounds will ever be 100% closed. I think that I've learned how to manage and deal with um, the things that have happened to me in my past. Yeah, yeah. And you're so right about they don't close. I don't know if you would be who you were, like anybody, if you didn't have some of these things happen in your life. Not that you're like wishing negativity on people, but 
I think that they, they it's like you can't forget that, right? Like a, a kid who was molested, they're not going to forget that. They're going to carry that, but that will shape how they interact, how they protect themselves, and how they become the person that they ultimately are. And I don't know if I would necessarily, you know, like if you really believe in spirituality, religion, and God, and everything happens for a reason, it's like you're not going to try to question some of these things, but you're also like, okay, what can I take from this? How can I be different? How can I be better? Right. You know, that's real. What about for like you, like when you think back on some of the things you've experienced from whether you were younger, a teenager, or even an adult, like, let's say you're triggered in the moment. How do you actually deal with that? Or do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, I think so. Here's one that's like a, a very tiny trigger. But like, you know, growing up, when it came to like dating or relationships, I was invisible for the most part. Most people were not checking for me or they would take it a step further and made a point to let me know that I was ugly. Right. So you have that. So now sometimes um, when I'm like out with girlfriends or just, I guess, even just my friends in general and like a guy maybe shows interest in someone and like, I'm the type of person, let's say I was interested in you and you're in a group of guys, I still would say hello to everybody. Right. Like I wouldn't, act like no one else existed but in that scenario where sometimes men will like come up to your homegirl and like they look at both of you in the face but like you still don't exist that'll be a trigger for me where I'm like oh you're a fuck boy like I kind of want to curse you out because like that's some craziness right here you're being disrespectful and rude kind of for no reason like you can like my friend and still acknowledge me as a human but like okay and I think in those scenarios I kind of just am in my own head where I like no one will know that I was like irritated by that exchange but like in my own head, I'm like, Rashida, it's not that deep. That's not you. That's them. And just like, leave it there. No, that's real. Um, I definitely experience that often, um, especially when like you feel like your past creeps up to your present. So like when those triggers happen for me, I have to constantly tell myself in those, in those moments that Bryce this is a different situation. Although the actions seem very similar, this is not your past. You don't have to let it consume or control you. Like I'm literally talking to myself like I'm a, like my child self, right? So um, it's hard to do that in that quick instant second. But um, sometimes I, for me, I just like breathe, inhale, exhale, I'll remove myself from the situation. I'll even journal in the notes on my phone. I'll try to do those things because um, also I'm a Leo um, and I can get a, I have a lot of inner rage a little bit. <laughs> so like when I'm triggered, it's like the fangs come out, the eyes get big. So I have to like kind of tame the beast a little bit, which is that inner child, right? So um, it's, it's a little difficult and I haven't mastered it myself. But I will say from people who have seen me from the past till now, they have seen that um, or they have acknowledged that I've really something or something has changed. I've done yes. something that's different from the past and it's still the same Bryce, but it's not as reactive. Yes, right. I definitely can say I've seen that in you as well. Like I know for me, though, it's like you said, it's so hard in the moment because I don't even know sometimes if. I realize I'm going through a traumatic event until mm -hmm. after. And then I'm sitting there like, wait, I was uncomfortable. I didn't like that exchange. And then I'm a person who overanalyzes and I can like go down, you know, the rabbit hole. So 
then sometimes it's like trying to pull myself out of a funk as a result of it and trying not to let it like ruin my day or, or, or things like that. Because I know for me, I think a lot of times with all the trauma that you may experience, especially in reference to like teasing and bullying, things like that, you kind of put it on yourself. Like as a kid, especially you internalize it and think it's all you, like you are the problem. As you get older, you realize, no, these people were insecure and they were just, you know, projecting. But when you're 10, it doesn't really like resonate like that. But recently I had like a, a moment where I realized I had tr a traumatic experience or I have, I've have trauma and I don't think I realized I did. So I was at a day party. This guy and I are flirting, having a good conversation. We're chatting. I have on a matching set. So it's like a crop top and a, a skirt that goes with it. So it's like a little, but it's like high-waisted. So it's like a little skin showing, but like not that much. You're a huge staple. Yes, right. Everybody <laughs> knows I was got a damn crop top on. Um, and this guy all of a sudden pulls down my skirt. Like it's middle of the day. Um, and he just pulls it down. And like, I react quickly. So like, like, what the fuck are you doing almost? Like, why are you touching like, oh I thought it was a dress like in his mind he was just like making sure my skirt wouldn't ride up but like I think it happened so quickly for me I'm like why would you even do that like what like I get that you're trying to make it seem like it wasn't malicious and I don't think it was per se but then it still doesn't make sense because like I'm just standing here talking to you I'm not moving I'm facing we're face to face at what point does it make sense for you to grab my skirt and pull it down or even my dress why do you feel like you know me well enough to do any of that um and so I realized like later on that I got very emotional like when I was by myself mm -hmm. and like crying because I was like yo like I'm tired of people touching me without my permission because that's mm -hmm. not the first time like something like that has happened where a man who I don't really know is like touching my butt trying to pull something up or down and in college one of the boys and I played on the basketball team pulled down my top and I had on um like a what would you call a tube top and he like right. pulled it down and then like it was just in the middle of the we were pre-gaming it was no reason not a person I was dating or was trying to date there was no flirting exchange it was just like I'm gonna pull down your top so that my breasts are exposed. I have to like, you know, quickly pull it out. He's just laughing. Like, it was just funny. And I'm like, but why? And that's like, wow, you, I went from that boy touching my skirt in 2022 to reliving a moment that happened to me in like maybe 07. And it's like, whoa, like, and it wasn't until that happened. I was like, that shit bothers me. Like that is one of my triggers. Mm. Well, I'm sorry that that happened to you recently. And I'm sorry that that happened to you back in college because that's pretty traumatic, like, honestly. Um, and it's crazy because I have this theory that time is, well, a lot of people have this theory that time is not linear. So in that moment, like you said, you your consciousness jumped right back to that college moment. Um, and like, so after you got home, process did the crying did you know whatever you need to do um although I'm sure you probably didn't see this person again at you know no. recently no. um were you able to like forgive them for that I, I think I was able to just like kind of like what we were saying but what you were saying earlier like I just put it in like a box it was like okay we're gonna just like put this in a box and then bury it somewhere 
um, because I didn't even want to like have a conversation with that person at, after that. I like thought about mm-hmm. it and I was like, I could bring it up, but I was like, I don't want to and I don't have to talk to you. So I just won't. Right. And I just like left it there. But I think it depends. Like if it were like, let's say like a family member or someone you were close to that did something that, that triggered you, I think I would be more compelled to actually say, hey, that bothered me and this is why. But for a stranger, I think it's easy for me to be like, whoa, like you've already crossing boundaries and I don't even know you like that. Like we're done. I'm not even trying to talk to you. No, that's real. I think um, one of the key components of I guess healing from trauma or just even trying to processing it or processing the trauma is actually in the form of forgiveness because people always say that forgiveness is not for the other person. It's actually for you. So um, I was saying to say that like, you know, in time, hopefully if that experience happens again, it won't be so emotionally draining for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how, to proceed like that because I'm a man and um, the likelihood of somebody ripping off my tube top in public (laughs) is going to be, you know, not, well, who knows? I'm a man. If I'm wearing the tube top, somebody could rip it off too, you know, just because Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother layer. Um, But I commend you for not, like, you could have physically assaulted him. You could have cursed him out, but you, you know, took that emotion back home, even though you didn't realize you had that trigger and you're able to like, compartmentalize it and process it further so hopefully if that happens again hopefully it doesn't um that you'll be able to even deal with it even better you know yeah because that's why I say for me it's just hard because I feel like a lot of times I'm the type of person like something bad happens and then you'll think about it like oh I should have done this 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 and this and it's like hard to think sometimes in the moment as some somebody is like either violating you or just upsetting you to like think clearly of like okay this is what I would like to say or what I want to do well that's the thing about life in general it's like when we don't even though this wasn't your lesson to learn when we don't learn the lesson it's going to happen again and it's going to it's going to give us an opportunity to make a different decision so even that young man who did that to you he probably didn't learn a lesson I'm sure at some point he's going to do it again to another woman and then he's going to learn a uh, a lesson based on how she reacts she might punch him in the face and then he might learn his lesson not saying that that's (laughs) the right thing to do but you know you get what I'm saying so to your point um you know, being in your head, trying to figure out, here's what I should have done. Should I have done this different? You know, I just feel like be kinder to yourself, you know, and just know that like, it wasn't your fault and you handled it to the best of your ability. Yeah, no, thank you. And you're right. I think for our listeners, the whole, like, it's not your fault. Like a lot of the trauma that we go through is out of our control. And so um, I really wish that I remembered the exact quote, but it's like one of the few things like from Christianity, the Bible that I like, like, and it was like, um, you know, like, Lord grant me like the wisdom and the serenity, you know, essentially to be able to tell the difference between things I can control and things I cannot. Mm. And I think sometimes we have, as humans, we struggle to do that. I know I'm a very type A personality, so I want to control everything. And it's like, no, you actually can't. And so when you can, you're blaming yourself, but it's like, you actually have no control over this. So you need to calm down. And so like being able to really 
step back and be like, this has nothing to do with you or why someone was mean to you or why these certain things happened or somebody died in your life. You don't have control over that. Right. And as it relates to trauma with that control, maybe part of you trying to control now guys or guys, they, them, her, he, listen, (laughs) I'm not a therapist, just throwing it out there. Um, But that part of you that's trying to control, maybe that's you trying to control the past, like where you were in a space where you couldn't change your outcome. So now in that moment, you're trying to change it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I could, I could see that, especially, I think that's very applicable, at least in my life, when I think about when I was younger with dating, because like, right. you would try one thing with this guy, it didn't work. So then the next guy, you're like trying super hard to like, do something maybe slightly different or, or maybe a complete 180. And so now you're like, okay, if I slept with him on the first month, this time I got to wait 90 days. Or if I mm-hmm. called him every day, this time I'm going to play hard to get. And it's like, you can't do all of this. Like you can't control what happened, but like you're still trying to carry it onto the next relationship. Right. No, that's real. I think we've all done that. Um, I mean, especially since like, you don't want to make the same mistake twice. But sometimes, like you said, some things are just out of your control. Um, and it's not even me. a mistake sometimes. Exactly. Like, but we right. perceive it as such. So like you like a per- guy, he didn't like you back. He might, oh, I did this wrong. No, that nigga just didn't like you back as much as you needed to be liked or loved. And so maybe it was actually a blessing that that man left your life, you know, but you don't see it like that at that moment. Right. And in preparation for this episode, I looked up like how as humans, we naturally respond to trauma, which I thought was really interesting because I've heard of these terms before, but when I applied them to my actual life and some of the things that I've experienced, I was really shocked by what I pulled up. But there's four types of trauma responses. We have flight, fight, which we already, you know, we already know, you know, flight or fight response. Um, Then on top of that, we have freeze and fawn. So flight is um, some people who respond to trauma when they flight or when they're flighty is that they're workaholics or overthinkers. They have a lot of anxiety. They have difficulty sitting still and they're perfectionists, um, meaning that these are people who run from the problem, right? Yeah. Then we have the fighters, the anger outbursts, controlling. Essentially, sometimes they become the bully they're a bit narcissistic and they have explosive behavior. Now, I also have demonstrated explosive behavior when I've been upset, but never to the point where I've like literally physically assaulted someone, but some people are like that. Yeah. Um, then we have freeze, the person who's difficult, they have difficulty making decisions. They're stuck in the same situation. They disassociate themselves and they also numb themselves. They numb their emotions. So yeah. um, I've also done that before. Um, and then the last one is fawn, which is the people pleaser. They lack identity. They have no boundaries. They're overwhelmed and they're also codependent. So with those Ooh, four trauma Lord. responses, it's like, I was like, dang, I'm taking one from each one. Yeah, seriously. No, I mean, yeah, it ends up being a blend. Cause like that freeze, I feel like I kind of described that before you even went into it. I, I know I've done that, but like you said, I've done pieces, I think, of all of it at some point where I've drank too much to numb like frustration or pain about something or um, you like pick fights with people and you become aggressive because you're angry or you're insecure about whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just wild. Um, 
I think that like, I wish I had these resources when I was younger, but then again, you're supposed to learn from your mistakes, right? But like um, the one that really stuck out to me the most was the fawn, like the people pleaser, codependent, overwhelmed easily. That's me, like I say 90%. Because I said, like yeah. I said before, I like I'm taking a piece from everyone, but definitely the um the people pleasing tendencies, inability to say no. I never realized that that relates to trauma from my childhood, which I didn't realize I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how do you feel about like your childhood trauma? Do you feel like you've forgiven whoever it is, whether it be your parents or just these bullies that you may have encountered? Like, how do you feel like you've adjusted now as an adult? I think for myself, I've, I would say half forgiven, right? So I can easily say that I've forgiven and then um, I can find myself running past my old middle school in my neighborhood and then instantly all those old memories come back, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, or if I like run into one of the kids who bullied me, instant anxiety, right? Takes me right back to that place because, you know, time is not linear. So for me, it's like, um, I think I've more so forgiven myself on being so hard on myself and it kind of essentially drove me somewhat be like a a perfectionist which I didn't realize was also a trauma response being a perfectionist so just um I think in my mid-30s because my birthday's coming up I've learned to be more kind to myself and not be so critical and not be so consumed with what people think about me so to circle back to answer your question not necessarily forgiving the people, but more so forgiving myself. Yeah. No. Okay. That's good. But yeah, you. But you said you've been in therapy for seven years, so I'm sure every day you get a little closer to that and like really being able to live in that and like do it in a positive way. Because I know for me, like in my seven months or eight months of therapy, like that's the biggest one hurdle for me is like having giving yourself grace because I Mm. am a perfectionist as well and I think it might be because like you said of all that trauma of like trying to prove almost people wrong about you so you're like no I'm going to be the best version so y'all can kiss my ass but then that comes at a price because then you're kind of overdoing it right and that's the crazy thing too like when you're so hard on yourself you don't allow yourself to breathe and be your authentic self because your authentic self you make mistakes, right? So being a perfectionist or trying to be the best version of yourself 24 hours a day, there's no room for who Rashida actually is. And you're actually taking away from yourself and you're not allowing the people who deserve to see that side of you to actually meet that person. You're like essentially pushing people away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, also I wanted to ask you about that. I love, that was a very organic segue about pushing people away because of trauma. So I was on the phone with one of my girlfriends talking about life. And so one of the things I like mentioned to her was like, yeah, I like, it was a reference to like a different person, but I was like trying to compare it to myself. And I said, you know, sometimes people, if you're not used to people being kind to you, you're as a trauma response, you push people away. So you end up like, kind of being rude or short with people or dismissive in certain instances or like not open to sharing information because you're like you're going to leave anyway so I'm mm-hmm. not going to share this or I'm, I'm not going to do that or I'm not going to be as nice and um you know not necessarily whoever 
you know, that she was dealing with was going to deal with that. But it was more just like, just think about that sometimes. Cause I know for me, I would go to visit my mom in New York when I was living in Philly. And whenever they were driving me back to the bus, I would get an attitude and it had nothing to do with them. It was like, I was mad that I had to leave because I like wanted that time, but obviously that time was up. And so for whatever reason, I would just get very like short. It was almost Mm -hmm. like, let me like kind of prepare myself for like not being able to see them for a few more months. Wow. That's powerful. I mean, powerful in the sense that you could like recognize that like because yeah I've seen you have attitudes before every <laughs> times I'm like why didn't do anything to Rashida why is she acting like this but like I mean who knows like like our bodies our emotions respond differently like I mean like I said that's amazing that you're able to acknowledge that after the fact mm-hmm. yeah it's just so much that you don't realize to your point you're carrying like that damn Erica Badu song Bag Lady. And you're like, wow, I have a lot of shits. Um, and I think also giving yourself grace that you do have a lot of shit. Because I was like talking to my therapist about that. Like, you know, I have a lot of shit. And like, I don't know if like I want to be around people or have people be around me because then that means they have to deal with it. Right. And it's like, yeah, but those people are your friends or family. So like they should they're gonna want to still be there but like it's hard for me because you're like well I have a lot I'm going through and I don't necessarily want to like burden somebody with that yeah I mean you're never a burden like I but I feel what you're saying I I felt like that too you know like you don't want to unload so much on your friends your friends and family excuse me to the point where you're like oh here's Rashida calling in or here's Bryce calling again like you don't want to be that person but also like you're deserving of companionship, friendship, family time as well. And mm-hmm. we all have baggage. Like that's the thing with all of our relationships. Sometimes our friendships and stuff don't work because your baggage and my baggage together, we just filled up the airport. Like it's just <laughs> too much, right? So it's like, um, now, you know, you're working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, we're working on it together, separate that when we do have conflict or we do have issues we're able to resolve them better and kind of like you know look at the bigger picture yeah so just a question like in terms of dating do you feel like ideally like just this is more hypothetical that like a couple should both be in therapy together and individually at all times like how do you what are your thoughts on that I I know I think therapy is a personal journey some people don't think they need to go to therapy me personally I feel like everyone can unpack somewhere right and um not every therapist is a good therapist right um I personally think that if and this is just my theory my thoughts if you and your partner are having issues let's say you're not married you're not married, you're having issues, and then you go into couples therapy, I do think that there's going to be a lot of potential for conflict and clashing if you're not working on yourself individually. So circling back around, I do think if you feel like as a couple, you need to go to therapy together, I think that let's regroup and let's go to therapy therapy separately. And then if we, depending on the insurance or the amount of money we have, if we need to go together, we go together. But I feel, really feel like if you go separately, 
from my experience that it really resolves a lot of conflict. Now marriage, I'm not married, you're not married. I mean, my family, my parents, you know, they're black. They don't really believe <laughs> therapy. My mom went to therapy. My dad's never going to therapy. He's never going into therapy, right? So like, I don't know what that looks like for a married couple. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think a married couple deserves to go to therapy. But I do think that um, individual therapy is where it's at. Because if you're broken inside, what are what am I going to do for you? And if you're both broken, what are y'all going to do for each other? So, yeah, but I think it's also crazy to think that you have a lot of couples that are like they're together, they're surviving, they're going to be together, but they're like dealing with so much baggage individually. And then mm. it makes a relationship. I don't want to necessarily use the word toxic, but it could just like, it's like, there's just so much room for improvement because they haven't let go of their trauma and they don't even acknowledge that they have trauma so then it's like there to your point it's like there's that other hurdle like I'm good like well I'm good too it's like y'all can still talk to somebody right and that's the thing like so the reason why I'm a therapy advocate is that if you go to individual therapy if let's say you're in a, a dysfunctional toxic relationship or that person just doesn't bring out the best side of you if you're able to work on yourself and really able to get to you get to who you actually are as a person you might be able to realize on your own that hey I'm Bryce these are the things I like this person we're just not bringing out the right things in each other so we're just not compatible so let's say that you never went to therapy you might not be able to realize that on your own and then you'll end up in this longer relationship with someone that is not the best person for you yeah yeah, and that's where that codependency stuff also can trickle mm -hmm. in when you're not having those conversations or reading the books or just doing that self-work of like identifying how, because all your relationships are different. And sometimes I don't think any relationship is 50-50. There are ebbs and flows. So maybe today I'm giving 70 and then the next day you're giving 70, right? Like it just depends. But I think the codependency has a slippery slope there. Um and you don't always recognize it. And I think that's what something like you said, therapy, self-work, unpacking your trauma could help you understand like, okay, this is why I'm latching on to this person in this way. Or we always talk about that attached book, right? Like that's a great book, I think for most people to read to understand why are you attached in the way that you are? And then once you realize it, I think for me, it was like, well, why am I anxious? Like, what is it about that? And then you go mm -hmm. back and like, oh, because all these things happened in these different points in my life. Well, you know what's crazy about the attached book? You know, it's one of our personal faves. I've been seeing a lot on social media that the avoidant attached people are feel like that that book attacks them and says that they are not able, they're not suited for a healthy relationship. I don't know where they got that from reading the book, but I'm starting to see that like on TikTok, like people are like, you know, this book bashes avoidant people. And I'm like, yikes. Yeah. Also, it's interesting that they would feel that way because also the Arthur makes a point to point out that throughout your life, you can ebb and flow throughout the different attachment styles. So maybe you are avoidant now and over time with work and things you address, why are you running away from a positive thing or, you know, and do those. And then next thing you know, you're securely attached. But yeah, I think people just real, 
they don't want to look like look in the mirror and really address like what it is it's like when you meet people they're like oh yeah I don't like PDA and I don't like I just met you so like we got to go super slow because I don't like people calling me and texting me all the time and you're like okay but if someone likes you they're gonna want to be around you I'm gonna like make this make sense right so it's like that's not really a you problem but I know for me growing up like when I would meet men who were avoidant I'm like what am I doing wrong it's like no that person just has work they need to do and maybe they and eventually they will possibly get to be securely attached but today you're avoidant just own that you're avoidant (laughs) right and that comes from the example you gave that comes from the trauma from maybe their first love who was super clingy so now they're like whoa this is too much going on right and I know for some of these people it's like it's it's crazy that a lot of our trauma really stems from our parents and not that parents are like inherently evil or bad but it's just like those nuances where someone is like raised by a single mother or father and like the other parent was let's say like actually absent by choice that affects a lot of people. And I think they sometimes like, oh, I don't care. You know, I'm not close to my mom or my dad. They weren't in my life. You know, I don't care. It's like, but it it does make a difference in how you interact now romantically with someone. No, that's real. And I know they said it's an improvement that trauma can be genetically passed down. And wow. I definitely see the trauma just within, which is a whole nother conversation, just within Black people within America, the trauma from slavery being passed down. Um, And then within my own family, I can see what type of, what types of trauma my parents experienced that we have some of those characteristics from them, but we didn't experience what they experienced. So for example, um, I would describe my mom as like a codependent. And I would say all three of us are codependent. Yeah. So we didn't experience what she experienced that caused that to cause her to become a codependent woman, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So no, I see what you're saying. No, that is no, that's so deep. And like the fact that you talked about the genetic part, because it is true. I completely hundred percent agree about genetically with slavery, like mm-hmm. our people. Border. And it's also, and like you can tell because when you meet black people from I want to say more so like everywhere but America, <laughs> That's not, but like Black Americans have a very unique experience. And even though Black people everywhere like do deal with racism, Black Americans or people who grew up here as, you know, whether their parents are from wherever else, you were born in America. So I'm sorry. Yes, you could say my, both of my parents are from the islands. That's true. But you're American. OK, so your experience is more so American. Like you have a very different experience. and trauma response, I think, um, to colorism and to when people appropriate and to when people who are non-Black say certain things like ratchet and ghetto. Like, remember we had a, like, it was like a funny podcast where we were talking about certain things that non-Black people say, you're like, don't say that. Like, mm. it's like those little things are all impacted. I mean, let's be real. Like, I've been afraid of the police since I was four yes before I could drive a car why is that it's like watching raising Dion and like she's having this like conversation with her is he six or seven might be six and about like race and why he was treated differently because he's a black boy and I'm like tearing up watching a fictional show but it's like 
because I know that if I have kids, that's a conversation I'm going to have to have with a mm-hmm. child who's like, what are you talking about? We're all, we're all humans. What are you talking about? What difference? I'm a little, I'm brown. Okay, who cares? It's like, I know it should, that's really what it should be like, but everyone else cares. So I got to prepare you for that. Exactly. It's that trauma. Mm-hmm. Or like knowing, and this is even more like when it comes to just stereotypical beauty things, right? Like, you know, gay, straight, black, white, whatever, if you're considered societal, societal, societally pretty, or attractive exactly. and then when you know if you are not that is traumatic because then you have to accept that people are going to treat you pretty much like trash and their reasoning is because they don't find you attractive which is bullshit but it's happening even subconsciously even for them they don't even realize that they're treating you less than a human because they are not sexually attracted to you right it's so deeply rooted and let's just call it spade a spade i mean darker skin people in general being treated as though they're not as attractive because of all these layers from the past and all this racism and all this colorism and all this all these featurism all the featurism in the world (laughs) like it just is what it like that's that's just real that's real and people try to act like it doesn't exist but it it happens every day b it happens so much you don't to your point you don't even realize that you're doing it yeah and like i you know me and we always talk about reality shows but i'm started finally watching love island on peacock and they casted this the original ogs they got two black girls who are dark-skinned you know so you're like yes y'all y'all did better with the casting two beautiful dark-skinned black women but i'm also cringing every time because i'm like oh like the way the men are treating one of them specifically i'm like oh she's gonna have a horrible time in here because she mm. is beautiful, but she is a dark-skinned Black woman. And so she's going to have these people unconsciously being biased toward her, although she's doing nothing wrong. Speaking of trauma and bias, Big Brother 24, the worst cast we've ever had, they casted <laughs> five Black people, and the one beautiful brown-skinned, dark-skinned pageant woman, Taylor, has been getting bullied the moment she walked in the house, more so by the Black people call her all types of bitches she everything she says they twist she's just um she makes black women look horrible these are what all these people are saying and they're saying it in front of white people so now white people are calling her a bitch it's been disgusting oh my god disgusting. wait is that the thing you No, that might be something else that clip you sent me that was well, not clip but that it was like an hour that big brother that's that or that's for that's for a future game. Okay, yeah, that's for our future episode. Okay, because I plan to watch that this week for our next episode. Okay. Um, Big Brother yeah, 24 is, uh, it's, it's the, they call it the Donald Trump season of Big Brother because the, the cookout was the Obama season. We went from Obama to Trump. Okay. Sorry for my political people, but it is what it is. Yes, damn. All right. Wow, I'll have to watch um, some clips. You have to send me some clips of that. That's unfortunate to hear, but it is, just trauma is just so crazy. I think the one thing I just want our listeners to take away is try to really sit with yourself and be in, like, really dig deep and think about certain things that have bothered you and like, well, why, right? Because sometimes it's like a slap in the face and other times you have to kind of really dig deep um, and then own it and then figure out how you can live with it. Because I don't want to people to, leave this episode thinking and we've already said it but like that you're gonna just be cured one day because that's not the case you're always going to carry these things with you but it's just how can you have it and still try to operate in a healthy space right like 
to piggyback off Rashida, you just don't want your trauma to consume your life. Yeah. Don't let it consume you. And it can. And um, I just want to say, like, for me in closing, I just finished watching Angie Martinez podcast that she has now called In Real Life. And she interviewed Lauren London. And Mm. so, you know, they were talking about Nipsey and clearly that was very traumatic for her. And she was just so real about it. You know, like it's a it's a daily thing every day. And like, you know, new things have become more important to her in her life as a result. But, you know, when they asked her even about like dating and love, she's like, I'm good. Like I've experienced that. I had that. And so now I'm just focusing on me and trying to find happiness in my own life and peace. And also, you know, doing that for her children. And it's just like, yeah, like she's going to love that man forever. That's never going to go away. Right. And then for her, it's like, you know, I marry somebody new and then let's say he's going to the corner store, he's going to a restaurant. Now, subconsciously, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what if he gets shot? She might not even be trying to go to that place right now. You know, she mm-hmm. just, she's, she's still healing. She might not ever heal from it. That was her love. Yeah, I can speak for my mom. I don't personally feel like she's ever like healed in the sense where she wanted to be remarried or like she's never in my opinion liked or loved any other man in that way and she's fine with it you know like she's never mm-hmm. said it like oh what was me but she was like yeah like I don't it's, some people are like I'm good one I'm good. it's like I did one and done it's enough <laughs> listen look she, but look Miss Janet she know herself she yeah. knows herself yeah mm, any other last takeaways you have for our listeners um no, just um, like I said, this is a, a my life is just a never ending book. Um, one day I'm thinking I'm good. I'm, I'm healed from the trauma. Then I get triggered. <laughs> so it's just like, God, it's like, dang, I just spoke about that last week. I thought it was good. But you learn through experience and you learn through life. And that's the beauty of it all. Right. And just don't let it consume you right so yeah okay well thank you this was a great one hope our listeners like this it reminds me of our write it out or cry it out episode oh so i hope it touches some people and you're able to relate um and please you know hit us up on instagram or on gmail we're at um the ugly ducklings pod at gmail.com if you want to send us any letters or notes on how you're feeling or how you liked or this episode or what your what trauma you're unpacking And we will be back next week. Catch y'all soon. Peace.